everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, and this month I'm hungry for information about food and climate change. This month I want to talk about how my diet impacts the climate and what I can do to lower my food's carbon footprint. I'll get into the basic facts of climate-friendly and climate-killer foods, bust some myths, and share a few recipes I've enjoyed cooking if you want to join me in the kitchen. Today, I want to talk generally about the climate impacts of our diets. So let's begin. Agriculture is responsible for about 20% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. This is a difficult number to get at for a few reasons. First, many statistics about climate emissions only include carbon dioxide, which means they include about one-fifth of total emissions. Even those that include all four types of greenhouse gases often say something in the small print about how they exclude agriculture, forestry, and land use change. This basically means that we've got a lot of statistics that we use and they exclude the climate impacts of what we eat altogether. Part of this is because calculating food emissions is tricky. Let's start with the easy part. That involves calculating the gases emitted by cow farts, oil-based fertilizers and pesticides, and food transportation. But our diet contributes to climate change in a much bigger and less direct way through deforestation. According to the WWF, 15% of climate emissions come from deforestation and forest degradation, the practice of chopping down trees to turn the land into something else. So this means that three quarters of our food emissions are related to the land that is cleared by cutting down forests. According to a 2015 WWF Living Forests report, causes of deforestation vary from region to region, but some of the biggest pressures are for livestock grazing and agriculture. One solution is the development of deforestation-free supply chains, where food suppliers guarantee that their ingredients are not grown on former forest land. There are critics of this approach, though, who say that there's no such thing as sustainable palm oil, for example. So the safest thing to do is to avoid certain foods and ingredients completely to the extent that you can. This is why grocery stores like Der Sachewegen in Berlin don't carry products with palm oil, something that at least one German movie theater chain is also trying to get rid of. Okay, so palm oil is bad because it contributes to deforestation, basically eliminating the planet's natural ability to scrub carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. The second big contributor that lands on our plates is meat, particularly beef. Beef has somehow not been talked about by sustainability and climate advocates. Now, I admit I haven't been following the public debate on this in great detail, but as a layperson with an interest in everything climate and sustainability, my experience has been that whenever there's a whiff of consideration for a literal climate diet, caring about the impact of what we eat on the planet, opponents yell that environmentalists are trying to take away everyone's hamburgers. Then the climate activists bend over backwards to say, no, 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 that's not their intention at all. Hamburgers for everyone. 
This outcry comes over policies from the Green New Deal in the United States to Meatless Monday in Germany. Now, I went back and read the Green New Deal proposal as I was thinking about this, and it does include a section on landscape restoration. This section includes policy proposals to increase organic agriculture, which requires fewer fossil-fueled-based inputs and captures more carbon in the soil. The switch to organic would cut the U.S.'s agricultural emissions in half. Still, there is no mention anywhere of vegetarianism or reduction of meat consumption. There should be. Because meat and dairy consumption are responsible for the lion's share of our food emissions. At the same time that most people in wealthy countries eat more meat and dairy than is healthy, causing obesity and a score of other diseases. If our doctors are telling us to cut back on burgers for our heart, why can't climate activists do the same? So I'm going to say it. If you want to do your part to stop climate change, cut back on your meat and dairy consumption. This makes a bigger difference than where your produce comes from. You can take my word for it or buckle in for the ride because I'm about to throw some statistics your way. According to research by the University of Michigan, about half of the average American's food emissions are from red meat. An additional 14% come from other meat and seafood, and 19% are from dairy. This means everything else we eat, fruit, vegetables, grains, sugars, fat, are only responsible for 20% of the emissions from what we put in our mouth. What? Let's look at that another way. I mean, as I saw this data, I thought, well, maybe Americans' vegetable emissions are low because they don't eat any vegetables. Well, the same study offers rough pounds of carbon dioxide equivalent per serving of different foods. So if you're at a buffet and you grab one serving of beef, you've just caused 6.6 pounds of emissions. If you opt instead for the halloumi, a cheese dish, you're down to 2.5 pounds. So now you can grab another serving and still be saving in comparison to the beef. If you go for pork or chicken, you're at about 1.5 pounds, allowing you now four servings for the carbon price of one of beef. A vegetarian going for eggs or milk emits less than a pound per serving. And a vegan, sticking to fruit, veggies, grains, and legumes, emits one-tenth of one pound per serving. So a vegan can eat 60 times as much as the dude with the burger for the same climate impact. That's insane. And what's especially insane is how uniquely bad beef is. As I said, its climate impact is four times that of other meat, and 60 times that of a vegan diet. This means we should be shaming burger eaters. You don't need to be a vegetarian to make a dent in your dietary carbon footprint. Just cut out the beef. This is something Helen Harwatt, a fellow at Harvard's Animal Law and Policy Program, has looked into. She was the lead author of a paper in Climatic Change in 2017 that calculated what would happen if every American substituted beef consumption for beans. The study found that this switch alone could take the U.S. halfway 
to meeting its 2020 climate targets and free up 40% of the country's cropland. So what are you waiting for? Go for that black bean burger today. I just focused on the carbon impacts of different ingredients today because the data on beef in particular was so shocking to me, I had to share it. In the coming weeks, I'm going to talk about data on other things, such as food miles and organic versus industrial agriculture. Stay tuned for that. What's giving me hope this week? Lionel Richie. No, I don't mean the singer. I mean the flaxseed, chia seed, oat burger patty that I had a few weeks ago with the silly name Lionel Richie. I love it. So as I said last week, I was in Neublantenburg a few weeks ago. I gave a great talk on this podcast and what I've done and what anyone can do to help do their part to save the planet. After I gave my talk, my family and I went to a burger place where I had heard on good authority they had vegan burgers. The vegan burger of the week was called the Line Oil Richie. And of course I had to get it. It was one of the best burgers I've had in my life. This is no exaggeration. I gave a bite to my husband, who is a hamburger fanatic, and he liked it so much that when we went back the next night, he ordered it. So this is giving me hope. You know, it's funny. I said already that I think it's ridiculous how climate denialists accuse climate activists of trying to take away our meat and that this is somehow an argument that gets climate advocates completely scared and has them then promise, no, 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 I'm not going to take away your meat. I think this approach of making amazing hamburgers, amazing food that just happens to be vegan, that's how we're going to get the change. Not by saying, no, you can't eat the beef, although you really shouldn't, but by saying, hey, this alternative tastes so much better. So thank you to Burgerkult for making this amazing hamburger. Please open a location in Berlin because I really want to eat this burger again. Thanks for listening. My old colleague, Kathleen Leuter, tweeted some really nice words about the podcast this week. She said, really love your podcast. Entertaining and so much to learn. Thanks for sharing your experience and thoughts. Well, thank you for listening, Katlin, and for tweeting. Next week, I'm going to look at another way our diet impacts the climate, transportation. I'm going to be challenging myself all this week and next to cook local and seasonal. Check out my experience back in the spring in the episode Spargelwoche, if you just can't wait. And I'll share some recipes for seasonal produce. If there's anything in particular you want me to feature, drop me a line on Twitter at Lisa Pettibone or in an email, lisa at myclimatediet.org. Hey, I need your help. The holiday season is approaching and with it, countless trips back home or abroad, feasts of roast beast, both tofu and not, and gift giving that's both naughty and nice. In December, I'm going to talk about gifts, and I want to hear your ideas on how to give and receive gifts that are gentler on the climate. Do you ask for experiences rather than physical presents? Do you make things to give your loved ones? Or do you throw it all overboard and say, no, I'm not going to celebrate any of these materialistic holidays? 
leave me a message on Anchor or drop me a line at lisa at myclimatediet.org. I'll feature your ideas and tips all next month. So consider this your gift to me. Thanks. Thanks also to David from Kvents for letting me use his music. And thanks to you too. Since I got back from my summer of house cleaning, I've been humbled by how many people listen to this podcast. This has been a labor of love for me, and I appreciate you giving me a listen. Feel free to drop me a line with your climate tips, things you like or don't, or just a kind word at lisa at myclimatediet.org. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lisa Pettibone. And don't forget to rate My Climate Diet on Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for others to find me and start their own climate diet. Because if everyone went on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Oh, 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 oh,